Welcome to the Straight Talk on Fleet podcast with Aaron Gilchrist. Each week, Aaron will be breaking down fleet management, trying to cut through the noise and get down to the real issues safety and operations leaders are struggling with every day. The goal will be to get to the bottom of how leaders can break down these silos of information, accelerate change management, how to use real-time accurate data to drive massive efficiencies across fleet-focused business processes, and to elevate people's careers with emerging best practices. Now it's time for the Straight Talk on Fleet. Okay. Hello again, Fleet community. We're back for the 34th episode of the Straight Talk on Fleet. I'm Erin, your host of the Straight Talk. And on my podcast, I just really try to be an objective and reliable source of information for our fleet ecosystem based on my experience as an enterprise fleet manager for many, many years. Um, But today I'm super honored and excited to um, invite Steve Kiefer to our podcast. Steve is the founder and chairman of the Kiefer Foundation, whose mission and pillars we're gonna talk about today um, as we get through the podcast. Um, What's great is Steve understands our industry. He's been in automotive his whole career and left General Motors about a year and a half ago to lead the foundation full time. So. Steve, um, you'll do a better job introducing yourself than, than I can. So take a minute to, you know, introduce yourself, um, share your personal story with our listeners today. Well, thanks so much for the opportunity to uh, talk to your listeners today. You know, um, I have a chance to talk about this, uh, this topic, which is very near and dear to me, this topic uh, that's really a uh, uh, an epidemic around the country and around the world, which is distracted driving. And, you know, I normally introduce myself as, um, my name is Steve and I'm a recovering distracted driver. Um, a little play on sort of the, um, the, uh, AA introduction. But what I, um, what I mean by that is, um, you know, if you would have seen me, uh, just seven years ago, um, you might've seen me on the, uh, streets of Detroit, Michigan in a, in a brand new, uh, Chevrolet Corvette convertible. I was, um, you know, in a, in a fairly, uh, uh significant leader posi- leadership position at General Motors, you'd find me, um, driving on the roads, uh, often driving with my knee, drinking a coffee in one hand and holding my cell phone up in the other hand, um, as I um, quickly looked through uh, emails and texts. And, you know, I was an automotive guy, as you mentioned, uh, for, for 40 years. I was 40 years in the industry. So I knew the dangers of um, distracted driving as a, as a car guy, but I always considered myself a really good distracted driver. And what I mean by that is, you know, we, we know the stats. It takes about five seconds to, to read a text when you're driving. So I would actually hold my phone up on the dash and glance at it quickly to try to be able to read texts and emails in maybe two or three seconds. And uh, be a bit safer. And I thought that that was sort of a, a good uh, distracted driver. Um, so I, um, I can admit that um, I, was a, uh, I was really bad on this topic, as most people are. And I try to be a bit vulnerable and say it's okay, because uh, until something bad happens to you, maybe you'll, you'll never change behavior. And that's really why I speak about this, because of course, something really bit bad did happen to me and my family. So it was uh, nearly seven years ago on September 19th that my son Mitchell was um, driving up to Michigan State University. It was his first month as a uh, as a new Spartan. Um, 
he had just finished a, a great career at Detroit Catholic Central and uh, was a, a member of the uh, state championship hockey team where he was a goalie on that team. Um, and he was uh, starting his, uh, his career at Michigan State University. It was a beautiful Monday morning on September 19th. He had been home for the weekend to, to go see a Lions game and he was driving up at about 7.50 in the morning. Um, traffic slowed down on I-96 while, where, while he was driving to school. He slowed down and uh, unfortunately the young lady behind him did not. So she was on her phone and uh, she rear-ended Mitchell and drove him uh, across a very narrow strip of grass on I-96 uh, in Ingham County, um, just uh, outside of East Lansing. Um, hit him and drove him across this narrow median into oncoming traffic where he was hit by a, a truck and a trailer and, and killed instantly. And um, well, it's amazing how often I've had to tell that story and, and some, sometimes even unemotionally, but it, um, the pain never goes away. And every time I tell it, it's kind of like reliving it because it's just the most horrific thing that uh, any family can, can go through. Um, and as we, you know, as we um, tried to deal with the aftermath and the, and the grief of, of, of losing my, my, uh, my number two uh, child, um, I, I started looking at the stats and the stats were just horrendous. I mean, the official stats in this country say that, you know, first of all, there's 40 to 43,000 people each year that are killed on the highways of, of the United States. Um, we think, you know, the stats say about 10%, so about 10 people per day are killed by distracted drivers. But as you look into the data, you find out that it's way underreported. As, as a matter of fact, Mitchell's um, crash was not reported as a distracted driving um, event. Um, so we really think the number is more like 50 or 50% even. So, you know, if you can imagine 50 people being killed each day by this just senseless, selfish act of distracted driving, it's just, uh, it's just horrific. And, uh, that's why we decided, um, immediately really in the, in the month after we lost Mitchell to, to start the, the Kiefer Foundation in his honor and really make it our mission to bring an end to distracted driving and all associated crashes and deaths. Wow. Um, first off, incredibly sorry for your loss. And, um, you know, you mentioned telling this story and emotionally, I think, you know, just your selfless um, act of, of saying inside of our grief and our own pain, um, we're going to do something. And you've done way more than something, you've done something really big, but to help raise awareness and um, so that another family doesn't have to go through what you've gone through. And you, you mentioned that the statistics and, and I've looked, I look at these and, and I think this idea of distracted driving being underreported, I mean, dramatically, right? Dramatically. And, um, I'm, I'm hoping that when we talk today about legislation a little bit, that you can share some knowledge and insights around how, um, how we're capturing these events a little bit better um, today, because data, you know, is a motivator. Um, and it might not be a motivator for, you know, this teenager out on the road right now, as we sit here um, texting and driving, but definitely for organizations to um, think about um, what they're doing with their drivers. And so in the fleet industry, you know, we're managing hundreds of thousands of vehicles and more drivers. And I think there's a duty and obligation um, for organizations to take a look at what's happening and make drastic and immediate moves um, to ensure that they keep their drivers safe and then everyone else 
that's out on the road driving alongside their driver. So um, I'm excited to dig in. And thanks again for sharing your story. Um, before we talk about the foundation, um, talk a little bit about the Just Drive campaign. I know on my podcast on several safety and um, podcast episodes, I've said, you know, how to have challenged organizations and fleet managers to say, how do we make the the cab a, a just drive zone? Um, but let's talk about this campaign. Maybe we can help push the envelope on this a little bit. Oh, that would be great. Well, it um, it really is, um, you know, one of our three pillars because um, we'll talk more about the three pillars of the Kiefer Foundation, which are awareness, technology, and legislation. And under the um, awareness pillar, we, you know, that was really where we started because, as I said in the statistics, I mean, I think a lot of people just don't realize how um, huge this problem is, how many people are impacted. And, you know, I often talk about the fatalities, but you can go, you know, uh, multiples of that when you start to talk about injuries and crashes and the cost of crashes and so on. So it's such a huge, huge problem. So trying to get the word out on, you know, um, on you know, making everyone aware of just how how dangerous this is has been was one of the real first um, activities. And um, again, you know, we we tell the story, and so many other victims' families join us at these conferences and various events to tell the story. And really, our point there is that it it hurts and it's painful to tell the story, but we want to try to find a way to have people change their behavior before it happens to your family. So that's usually what I tell people is, why are you going to wait until your child is killed to join the cause and try to help this? I mean, you, you need to you know, learn from, from my pain and all the other victims' families. So that's kind of the, the, the background on awareness. And you know, as we look at awareness, the message is getting out there. As a matter of fact, there's a stat out there that, um, that, that I often cite that says over 90% of the people, when you poll them, they know that driving distracted is dangerous yet 80 some percent will always admit that they do it occasionally. So it's awareness alone isn't enough. So as we looked at awareness, we, we started looking, you know, across the, the country and across the world. And it's interesting because there's, there's dozens of, um, you know, taglines out there that talk about, you know, eyes up, phones down, uh, things you know, that are similar or analogous to like click it or ticket with the seatbelt laws. And what we started, um, we worked with a branding outfit, um, uh, uh, named uh, Peter Arnell uh, out in, um, in New York to try to come up with a very simple message. Wanted it to be sort of the, um, if some of your listeners remember, uh, at least when I was growing up, um, we had Nancy Reagan uh, teaching us to just say no. And it, you know, kind of always stuck with us. We knew what, you know, just say no meant for drugs. So we came up with um, this very simple uh, phrase and others have used it in the past, but we're trying to rally around this phrase in this campaign called Just Drive. So our message is really simple. It's um, when you're behind the wheel of an automobile, put your phones down and just drive. And uh, of course, we um, use this as the uh, as the logo. It's um, it's it's branded and um, we've actually spread this around the country. I'm kind of showing it as a uh, as a hand fan here, which will keep you cool. But also uh, people often use it in their car to sort of spread the message when they see somebody doing something uh, inappropriate in another car. It's kind of a, a subtle way to, to remind them that that's that's bad behavior. <clears throat> so we, we came up with that and, and thought this was just the, the most simple way to send the message that you've got one task to do when you're behind the wheel, you know, and stay off the phone, stay, um, you know, stop eating, stop 
putting makeup on, stop uh, reading the paper, some of the crazy things people do, and just drive. Um, so we, we think that's a really good, easy message to understand. As I mentioned, we've spread this now to the Middle East and to Korea and to South America. So it wow. translates very well. It's, it's really quite simple. And to help us um, launch the campaign, uh, we'll, we can talk a little bit about it. But I was um, ple uh, pleased to have the support of, um, of a friend, uh, Tom Brady, who uh, everyone knows from the NFL. Uh, we got Tom Brady involved two years ago for um, Fourth of July weekend. And uh, I was introduced um, through a mutual friend uh we told him what we were trying to do and you know he's got young children he's a great guy and he said hey if if, if my sending the message can help create awareness i'm all in so um we have a great video where we kicked this off for fourth of july weekend two years ago and um it went viral of course as everything does that tom brady talks about and um really we've gone from there to have uh and you'll you'll see a uh the video with tom brady wearing that exact logo on the shirt so it's kind of become the the tom brady shirt and i can't tell you how many people um followed that by saying well hey you know i'd be glad to make a video for you as well so if you, if you go to our uh our website at mkeefer.org you can see a, a number of videos including um one of the best ones is from my uh, my previous boss mary Bar from General Motors. She saw the Tom Brady video and she said, Steve, if I can help by my video, give me a shirt and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. So she was the first one to make the video after Tom Brady. And hers is outstanding because at the end of it, she challenges everyone to, to do the same. And you know, I just can't tell you how many um, automotive suppliers and dealers and customers got on board uh, with Mary's help. And now we kind of let it spread throughout the, uh, the country and really around the world. So it's hopefully a really good message that makes uh, everyone understand that's uh, the most important thing to do when you're behind the wheel, just drive. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. And, and I think, um, what a great way to raise awareness and good for Mary. She's, she's an awesome lady. Um, and that surprise does not surprise me that she jumped right in and did that. Um, so, you know, for our listeners, we'll certainly share, um, those videos out when we, when we post this recorded version of the podcast and, um, you know, ask people to spread the word. Um, that's what awareness is about. And this idea of just drive, um, it's so difficult. I think in organizations, we use devices of all kinds, you know, to record hours of service or drive time or do inspections and things that are really important for safety, you know, of, of our drivers and for our vehicles to be in a, in a fit condition for use every day. And so we equip as fleet leaders, we equip our drivers with handheld devices for all kinds of of things, maybe work orders that they have to do, delivery stops, directions. Um, we also, you know, ask them to look at scorecards, driver scorecards. Like, how are you doing? What is your score for aggression? What is your score for inattention? So we give them these and then we say, but don't use them while you drive. So it's just, I think it's this fine line between giving them the tools they need to do their vocational work, but then um, having the number one focus in all organizations be safety from the office to the cab of the vehicles and beyond. And I think what I've seen in my experience is when drivers um, start to change their habits at work, they bring that home. And so I know that that's true um, for, for me and for, for my family to bring those home and to be able to share statistics and information with our families to make our families safer drivers. So, um, you know, we know that there's a need for technology 
Um, and that's a great sort of segue into your second pillar. Um, we know that technology is great and we know it helps us be safe and efficient. Um, but it's how we use it and how we interact with it when we're behind the wheel that can, you know, end up in a situation that, that you and your family found yourself in with a fatality. So talk about the technology sort of pillar of, of your foundation and, um, you know, what that's meant, what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, and, and even before I mention some of the specific technologies, you know, one thing I would add to your comment is, is much like the technology that you're providing for, you know, the uh, the drivers for the fleet uh, operators. Um, you know, the the car is full of technology, right? I mean, we're often, you know, we're often um, uh, we often talk about the the um, the technology associated with the infotainment system, the screens, and and sometimes that's quite complex and quite distracting as well. So there are a number of things in the automobile that uh, can can take attention away from that primary uh, task of driving and I think one of the most powerful things that's why I'm so pleased to be talking to you know um, to fleet owners and people involved in uh, fleet activity is there's one big difference here because as we're trying to change behavior it's one thing to talk about technology and legislation and trying to convince people to change their behavior um, quite often we'll talk about it when we get to legislation you'll hear people push back about civil liberties you know you can't tell me what I can do in my car that's a, a really interesting different discussion but what I think is really powerful is when you own a fleet and you're paying someone to drive these cars you can tell them what to do in the car and you can tell them that their behavior their their employment is dependent on driving safe which I think is is great because I think you know there's you know such a large percentage of the the vehicles that are on the road at any time are people that are driving cars as part of their employment and their employers can change their behavior just as a, uh, as a requirement for their employment. So I think this is a great uh, topic and a great um, audience and a great group of people to talk to that are probably making the single most um, significant difference in, in road safety. So thank you for that. Of course. Um, Maybe as I talk about technology, though, because it, it again related, you know, we, we normally again say, you know, first of all, it's really about personal accountability. You know, it's, it's the person behind the wheel that really has to make the decision to be safe. And the good news is, is, you know, if you know, we, we prefer that you just focus on the road and do nothing else. But if you must stay connected and we know people, you know, for for various reasons must stay connected, there are a number of ways to, to be safely connected. So we um, often talk about, you know, first and foremost, the easiest thing for your users that have um, have uh, iPhones. I mean, turn on the do not disturb mode or what's now called the focus mode so that when texts and phone calls come in, there's an automated message that's sent back that says that you're driving and you're not able to take the call. That's something that um, can be turned on. It's, it's easy, it's instantaneous, it's on everyone's iPhones. That personal decision and personal accountability will already improve um, safety. Um, second, we often talk about you know, most newer vehicles have great uh, connectivity tools like Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. Um, so if you're you know, driving a, a newer vehicle, being able to um, plug your phone in and put it away or connect it by Bluetooth and put it away in the console and have basically the ability to stay connected, maybe um, hear the text, you know, you don't, you can, you can and respond to them, you know, verbally instead of uh, with, um, with, with text. That's another way that 
is really easy to stay connected and keep your eyes on the road. Um, and then, you know, some of the safety features that we um, have in the in vehicles like, you know, lane keep and emergency braking. These technologies are, um, you know, if we can get them to have larger penetration um, in, in vehicles and then, of course, have people use them because, for all the technologies that I just mentioned, how many times do you see brand new vehicles that you know have great Bluetooth and connectivity, yet the person sitting with the phone up to their ear? I mean, so we got to get people to understand they have the technology and then use the technology. And then, um, you know, as I go a little deeper into some of the technologies, there's um, uh, some companies that I've been working with. One in particular is Cambridge Mobile Telematics, and they provide um, the safe driving apps. Now, um, you, you know, all of your listeners will have heard the and seen the TV commercials and advertisements for um, insurance from insurance companies that talk about safe driving apps. And uh, if you really listen to what they're saying is, you know, they've got these apps that um, will um, monitor how you're, um, how you're driving. It monitors five key characteristics of, you know, speeding, acceleration, cornering, um, uh, braking, and most importantly, if you're touching the phone or not. And through those characteristics, you can, you know, identify a score for a safe driver. You know, most insurance companies now will offer somewhere between 10 and maybe up to 30% um, insurance cost reduction if you're willing to download that app and drive safely. So what I normally tell people is if you're not aware of that, talk to your insurance agent about it. And if your insurance agent doesn't offer it, go find one that does. Because if you're willing to be a safe driver, and I think you know most people hopefully are, it is easy to get 20 to 30% reduction in a very expensive part of your life, which is automotive insurance, um, just by downloading these apps and using them. And it's not just about saving money. These apps are almost as addictive or addicting as the phone itself. Um, many of them have a social aspect to it, so you can have all your friends and family doing it, seeing how you're driving, having a bit of a competition. And you know what I find myself doing is, you know, I'm looking every time after my drive, see what my score is, and you know, I'm I'm really trying hard to make sure I'm always above 90 uh, 90 points on this uh, on this score. So um, those are technologies that are just you know absolutely readily available that um, you know people can use today. They can uh, make them much safer, make their families much safer, and in many cases, you know, actually save them some money. There's probably three or four other technologies we could talk about, but I'll, I'll stop at that for now and just say that. You know, again, for your listeners, um, you know, the, the, the fleet, the drivers and the fleet operators are probably very much aware of it. But I think, you know, the single biggest thing they can do is turn all those tools on and make sure all their family and loved ones are using the same. Yeah, I think that's I love this conversation. Let's start with the vehicle. I think um, I know in my vehicle and I have a, a vehicle that has all the bells and whistles and I can turn that off just with it. You know, it's it's right there with the touch of a button. I can say you know, I don't, I don't need to use this. Um, I wouldn't, but it's there. And our drivers and the fleet industry can do the same thing. And I think that we've um, said, okay, the vehicle can offer so much. And it's really about safety culture and policy. Um, and you mentioned, you know, organizations can tell their drivers what to do in the vehicle that they give them. Um, so this privacy thing, I've always been um, a firm believer and well before um, we had um, or we knew that distracted driving was such a horrible problem. I mean, I started um, running a fleet almost 20 years ago and in 2013 implemented telematics across the entire fleet. And there was a lot of pushback. 
But now, you know, I, after all of these years, I've seen there's so many ways that we can overcome the big brother aspect or the privacy aspect. One is we're issue, issuing you a tool to use. And I mean, frankly, it's the most dangerous tool that any organization will ever issue to anyone is a vehicle, right? So it's our job in, in our organizations to talk about how dangerous that tool is and to focus on that, how that tool is to be used. First and foremost, um, before we talk about how they get to the job or spray the lawn or change the windshield or do the air conditioning and all of the mobile fleets that are out there on our roadways driving hundreds of millions of miles every year is focus on the tool itself. So I think for organizations that are listening, it's it's first about when you issue a tool, you would never give your child some, you know, a knife and not teach them how to use it, right? right. You wouldn't you know, give someone a gun without a gun safety course. So why on earth wouldn't we um, first and foremost say this vehicle is a tool and here's how you must use it and, and implement policies and accountability measures. And, you know, I, I think that the other thing you said was we can say, hey, this is, these are terms of your employment. We can do that. Right. And so I don't know why employers are afraid to do that. I know there's a lot of talk about how do I keep my drivers? It is a myth. It is a complete myth that your drivers will leave if you implement safety technology in your vehicles. Um, I know firsthand and, and the fleet industry knows firsthand that many, many fleets have done this and gone 100% with cameras and telematics and not experienced turnover. Um, so I think, you know, the vehicle can go so far, but I definitely think that inward facing cameras that can alert drivers to, um, hey, you're falling asleep or waking up a driver when, you know, they see a head nod or when they look away, say, pay attention to the road. So, you know, at IntelliShift, that's what we do. So, of course, I'm passionate about it, but more so coming from the heart of a fleet leader, I'm passionate about getting every single person home in better shape than than we sent them out in. So, and as a cyclist, you know, I was just out on my bike the other day. I was so shaken up. I'm driving down um, a 25 mile an hour road and I am following all the rules and I use my signals. I'm a very loud, I know that's a shocking probably to my audience. I'm a loud cyclist. I let people know that I'm there and I follow the rules and use my signals. And a woman, I felt her car. I felt her car like on my skin. That's how close she was to my body. Uh -huh. And her vehicle had, yeah. her vehicle was new. It ha I know it had all the technology. Yeah. So to your point, it's about using yeah. it, you know? And then the last thing yeah. that I jotted down from your comments on this technology piece is insurance, insurance companies. So I was interviewing um, one of our customers from Fox Electric and Tommy shared that, you know, they reduced their premium um, for their fleet insurance, you know, their premium significantly by implementing cameras in their fleet. And yeah. not only did he share that they saved money, they had an 80, almost, almost 85% reduction in accidents in the first six months. So, yeah. you know, it can be done and they did not lose drivers. They did not yeah. have people quit. Right. So 
those are just some, you know, comments I would add for the fleet industry that we, we, we need to take charge um, of the problem and take ownership and accountability in our fleets and know that um, we have the right to do that. Um, and our drivers are not going to leave because we're trying to keep them safe. It's all about messaging, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think you're you're exactly right, and I know I know privacy issues, especially for people that have sleeper trucks. I mean, I know that that's a that's a topic that's often brought up, but I do think every time I've spoken with fleet people, very similar to your comments, is when it's um, explained clearly that um, you know, forget even the terms of your employment. One, it's it's about your safety and the people around you safety. Two, um, in many cases, these cameras have been very useful in crashes that have taken place to document that it's not the driver's fault. I, I've, I've heard a right. number of stories about how they're having the dash cam to monitor what you know someone else did when they hit the truck. And of course, we know that uh, lawyers always go after the deep pockets. So fleet, um, you know, fleet companies are always the target of uh, being sued. So if you've got good documentation, that can actually. Uh, save you from a lot of legal problems. And then finally, if um, your job is dependent on it, we, uh, you know, employers can tell you what to do. So I think that all makes sense. And then maybe moving down the continuum, I know our kids don't always listen to it, to us, but, um, you know, <laughs> parents can also make it the, um, the, uh, the requirement if you're going to drive a car that they own that, you know, the, especially for young drivers that they're, um, you know, abiding by all these things, using these tools and maybe even using uh, dash cams. So I think, um, you know, that's, uh, those are all options that, um, you know, we can, uh, we can be a bit stronger to force people to, to use the technology. Absolutely. And I think that takes us, um, you know, into this legislation. I mean, we, nobody wants to be forced into doing something. So, you know, organizations out there do it because it's the right thing to do. But, you know, coming down the line, it, the legislation continues to, you know, evolve. And so I want to, I want to talk about this because I was excited to see your post about what's happening in Michigan. Um, but generally on the leg legislation front, talk about, um, what the foundation's done, where you're going, and you know how people in the fleet industry can use really um, if they can't convince their organizations for all the reasons we've already said. Um, talk about legislation and see you know if we can help move the needle um, to push organizations to install technology and implement policy that would require people to just drive in the cab. Yeah, it was, um, you know, really a, a year or two into our, uh, our activities here with the foundation. And, you know, we quickly realized that, you know, making people aware and talking about technology um, just just wasn't enough. Um, you know, until, um, and as you said, unfortunately, sometimes we need laws uh, until it becomes illegal to, to have a certain behavior. Many times people won't change. I mean, you know, if you, if you didn't have speeding laws, people would speeding would probably be worse. It's still a problem. Um, we often use um, these hands-free laws, which are, are very simply defined as laws that make it illegal to hold a mobile device while you're driving an automobile. Um, we see them as a bit analogous to the stiff drunk driving laws of the 80s and 90s. And, um, you know, for your listeners that are, you know, that grew up in that era like I did, you know, it was only when the drunk driving laws became, you know, very stiff. And then there were there were people in the courtroom every day uh, making sure that these these laws were applied. And these were 
we always wondered, you know, what is what is with these crazy women in the uh, in the in the courtroom? And we found out that these were mothers against drunk drivers who weren't crazy at all. They had a child that was killed, and just like me, they were on a crusade to try to change behavior. So, you know, through those stiff laws, you know, obviously we have not eliminated drunk driving, but the um, you know definitely young young people and most people wouldn't think of getting in a car after drinking now. So that that behavior has changed partially because people knew that it could, you know, it could hurt them and people around them. But I think even more so because they knew financially they would be hit with a very stiff uh, penalty and, and, and lose their license. So we think that the, um, the distracted driving is, is, is analogous to uh, drunk driving in that sense that, you know, if we can have um, uh, uh, legislation, stiff laws and good enforcement, we can um, change behavior. And by the way, if you look at the statistics, most of the statistics would say that um, um, you're much more likely to cause a crash as a distracted driver than even a drunk driver, believe it or not. So the uh, yet yet people you know don't think twice about picking the phone up and looking at the phone. These are the same people that wouldn't think about driving a car when when drinking or impaired. So um, we we got on this crusade with uh, legislation. We call it Hands Free USA, and again, Hands Free is defined as um, you know making it illegal to hold a phone or any mobile device while you're driving an automobile and it's so important because people often ask me you know well you know why can't I do this why can't I hold the phone to my ear you know I'm not looking at it it's just you know it's just talking on it and um, the real point is that our law enforcement professionals they need something that is easy to identify much like they can look in the car and see if you're wearing a seatbelt or not if they see someone holding a phone in any way then it's very clear it's a primary offense they can be pulled over and you know given a given a citation um, so we've been active at this and uh, we were um, pleased to finally get Michigan done. So as of now, we've got 29 states that have these laws in place. Um, we've been involved for the last five years, and we've gotten, I would say, about 15 or 16 of them um, done together with an organization called StopDistractions.org and a number of other organizations and victims' families around the uh, country. As um, your listeners probably know, traffic laws are state laws, so you really need to do this state by state by state. It's extremely painful. It's extremely slow and bureaucratic and every state has different uh, processes. But um, we were really excited to finally get Michigan done. It went into effect, the law went into effect, hands-free Michigan, went into effect on June 30th of this year, uh, making it the oh, 20th state. And since then, we've already gotten um, Alabama and Missouri done as well. And we're hoping to get Pennsylvania done here by the end of the year. So by the end of the year, we expect to have 30 states that will be hands-free. And, um, you know, we're hoping at some point there's a tipping point where the other 20 states uh, will start saying, okay, let's get on board and get it done. Um, What's the hesitation? Laws, you know, why, why, would it, why wouldn't a state do this? I, it's so hard for me to wrap my head around. Like, why, why isn't this easy? You know, with all the statistics, you know, I, could, I could tell you stories in every state, but I and it's it's uh, it's it's in many cases I would refer to it as just you know often disgusting politics. Um, the the primary argument um, starts with um, civil liberties, personal freedom. Don't tell me what I can do in my car. Um, which, you know, obviously is, 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 a, is an, uh, a silly argument because we tell people all kinds of things. They can't, you, you can't drive in your car drunk. You can't drive in your car flashing a gun. But um, so, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's one thing to have civil liberties that only impact you. But when your civil liberties, you know, are going to impact others on the road and, 
you know, kill our children. That's a, that's a very different story. So, but that's usually the argument. It usually comes from people that, you know, kind of hide behind, you know, small government, less legislation, you know, big brothers watching, we don't need all of this. So, um, unfortunately, I think the, the reality is much again, like drunk driving, if we didn't have these stiff laws, you know, we would, we would have, you know, more people driving, uh, intoxicated. So, um, we think that argument is, is, is a bit flawed. The other thing I would say is, um, believe it or not, uh, and I'll just tell you in Michigan, it became a, um, a partisan issue. We had a couple of, you know, really, you know, bad politicians who, um, you know, honestly didn't want our, our governor to have a, a win, uh, of, a, of a piece of legislation, which, by the way, we knew 85% of the people in the state wanted this legislation. And that's consistent across the country. When you explain to people in every state that you're trying to put a, um, a law in place that will make roads safer and make your children safer and make all of us safer, 85% of the people generally support it. Yet we get politicians that, you know, line up on one side. And this happened to be a, uh, you know, uh, a leader in the Senate in Michigan who just didn't want our, um, uh, our, our uh, Democratic governor to have a win before the election. So that to me is just, I mean, that, that, that behavior basically cost people lives, you know, last year yeah. in Michigan. And it's just you know, really disgusting. It's because uh, most people would agree. I mean, this is not a, a partisan issue. I mean, the bills that we passed in Michigan and in every state are always sponsored by Republicans, and Democrats, bipartisan bills always. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's only one of the few, a few bad politicians play politics that it gets in the way. So, you know, those are some of the arguments, um, I would also mention there's there's an argument that I think we have to be sensitive to, which is around racial profiling. Um, you know, many uh, many people in uh, in in in, um, in some of these states will argue that uh, when we introduce new legislation that allows police officers to pull uh, drivers over, it gets disproportionately uh, applied to people of color or low income people. Um, you know, the it's important that we're sensitive to that. But I mean, the reality is, if you're driving a car, put the phone down, and you won't have uh, you won't have an issue. And that's, uh, that's really what we've been pushing. Um, just real quickly, I would say that, you know, when you look at the stats, um, in every state where these laws have been put in place, it's usually about a 10 to 20% reduction in crashes and fatalities, and it actually helps bring insurance rates down. So the data is really good out there. Um, and um, the only thing that we really have to emphasize when we get these laws passed is there's sort of two determinants of success. One is there has to be a very massive campaign so everyone knows that it's illegal. And we've been in the process of that here in Michigan uh, um, recently to let, make sure everyone knows about the law. And then the second is enforcement. We've got to make sure we've got, you know, our, our police officers have to be given the resources to be able to enforce the laws. And if those two things happen, behavior changes and it definitely has, a, has an impact and, and, and saves lives. Yeah, well, I'm just, um, first off, thank you um, to the foundation for all the amazing work that you're doing. Um, I was so excited to see Michigan finally pass. Um, I, I caught that on your story on LinkedIn. So I was so happy to see that. Um, and I think this idea of, you know, forcing the issue is is critical. And I, I understand all the nuances, but to say that politics has gotten the way, in the way of, of safety is just, it's sad, really. And it's kind of like, who are we as a nation that we would put these, um, we would put politics before um, the safety of our, our, our roadways and our families. It's hard to, it's hard to understand, but the, the work that you guys are doing is making an impact, obviously. And um, I can't wait to, you know, continue to help spread the word. Um, 
Hey, so, I got to give uh, I got to give um, you and your state a little credit. I believe you're talking to us from Ohio, and um, you know yep. there's occasionally a little bit of a rivalry between uh, Michigan and Ohio. So um, Ohio uh, passed the hands-free law in January of this year. I, I met with uh, Governor Dewine um, a year ago in Naples, and he's been you know great Republican governor who has always been supportive. Um, and he uh, he signed that into law in, in uh, January, went into effect in April, and um, I got to say that was. Part of our uh, push in Michigan was, you know, come on, how can we let uh, Ohio beat Michigan again here? So uh, we, uh, it did, um, believe it or not, some of the politicians were really uh, upset about that more than anything else. They were like, come on, we got to get this. So uh, we're going to continue. Not surprise me. Because, you know, uh, joking aside, though, it went into uh, effect in April in Ohio. And again, this company that I've been working with, Cambridge Mobile Telematics, um, has a lot of data that uh, they use from people that have used the, that use this app. And the data showed that when the law went into effect, before even one ticket was written, there was already an 8% reduction in distractions just by creating the awareness campaign and letting people know that the law was coming. So um, we're watching this telematics data really closely because um, that's another side benefit of, of people signing up for this and getting the insurance benefits. These companies are also doing amazing analytical work to really show us, you know, which um, which which you know times of day, which areas, which uh, demographics are uh, most vulnerable and most um, critical as we address some of these issues. So a lot of good uh, ties to the technology that comes out of the legislation. And uh, again, we'll, uh, we'll continue to use some competition here to, to hopefully um, show data that, uh, that has uh, Ohio and Michigan competing to be safer drivers. Yeah, I love that. Um, you know, I, I grew up here in Ohio, so <laughs> the, the rivalry is, is alive and well, and I mm. probably always will be. Um, I, I do love that we did beat Michigan on this. That's great. <laughs> So go Bucks. Hey, but I, I gave a shout out for um, to your governor because you know I met him and he was so supportive and he you know he was also um, you know frustrated with some politics in in the in the Senate in in Ohio and I got to say the same for um, our governor in Michigan a Democratic governor but uh, so all all politics aside she has been committed to this uh, with us uh, even when she was a candidate uh, you know back in uh, in her uh, first term and um, in in many cases she uh, she was. Pushing for it, but she didn't want to push too hard because the harder she pushed, the more the Republicans pushed against her for political reasons. And it was, you know, it was just a really a sad state of affairs. But she stuck with us, and um, I was so pleased she um, she signed this uh, this uh, these bills into law at um, uh, at an ice rink in Plymouth, Michigan, that's dedicated to Mitchell. So the backdrop was Mitchell uh, Keeper Memorial Ice Rink, and uh, we have amazing uh, pictures of the governor signing these bills into law in front of. Uh, Mitchell's memorial locker at his memorial ice rink, and it was just a, a great moving event. And um, you know, now uh, we're uh, we're on the crusade to get the awareness and the enforcement moving, so that this summer uh, will be safer than last summer. And maybe just on that topic, I think your your listeners probably all know this as well, but we refer to these these days of summer as the hundred deadliest days of summer. And this yeah. is the period between Memorial Day and Labor Day where um, traffic crashes and fatalities are up about fifteen percent. 
So our real goal here is very tangible is we want this year to be safer than last year in Ohio and Michigan and all the other states that have adopted these these laws recently. And um, I'm convinced that 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 will that will be effective. So we'll never know. It's it's hard to count things that don't happen, but there will be lives and there will be families that are are um, that, that aren't going through this this year that otherwise would have gone through it if we didn't get this work done. Yeah, it's so critical. And, you know, data is is really important. As fleet leaders, we rely on data for, for everything we do um, to keep our vehicles on the road, to, to reduce fuel costs, to reduce idling, to help the environment. But when it comes to safety, data is is literally our best friend. And, and fleets out there that have not implemented something um, are just completely behind the eight ball, head in the sand, um, you know, and not not taking advantage of technology that not only saves organizations so much money um, and reduces accidents, but can, you know, if you're worried about your image as an organization, the, the worst thing that can happen is you can hurt someone, right? right? And so it's just this idea of why not put something in place now and avoid that and, and, and ensure that you can avoid it um, all the while saving money. And this, like this idea of, you know, the legislation piece, I, I think there are a lot of fleet managers out there that just aren't aware, you know, of what's happening. Um, to hear that 30 states are on board and more are coming. Um, I think that at this point, any fleet that's not considering um, telematics at a minimum and isn't looking at cameras is, um, is missing the boat uh, because this data doesn't lie. And, and the fact that we have more current and actionable data from people, um, consumers signing up for this app, and um, we're seeing these dramatic drops in states that have implemented these laws. I mean, this is a no brainer for fleets uh, listening out there. Um, and, you know, and as I share out clips from this episode, I'm going to cite these statistics and um, that's real data that fleets can count on and go to their senior leadership with and say, look, if this is happening for, you know, the general public who is signing up for this app and making this a competitive environment, that's what we've been trying to do for years. Gamify it inside your organizations, yeah. um, do what you have to do. But at the end of the day, um, there's no excuse for accidents related to distraction in fleets. We we have the right and the opportunity um, to almost eliminate that and get on this sort of what we like to say is this mission to zero accidents. And so it, it's doable. Um, but congratulations on the progress made. Um, hey, you know, I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought up the, the issue of, um, of dash cams as well, because, you know, one of the again, one of the um, arguments that we heard here in some states is and again, I think it's it's politicians that have a bias towards doing nothing because there's some, some really bad behavior. But one of the arguments was, um, you know, my, um, my, my district in the state is uh, very low income and we can't afford all that technology that you talk about. We can't afford um, phone mounts even. So we, um, we, I, I personally offered to buy anyone a phone mount that, uh, that can't afford one in the, in the state of Michigan. And uh, I've been inundated with requests now for these, uh, these, these simple phone mounts so people can mount their phone. But more importantly, the, the partner we work with on there is a, is a company that came up with a, a, an app. Uh, the company's called Driver 
it's a driver app. And um, this app will actually um, turn your phone into a dash cam. So it's not the, the level of, um, of, of complexity and content that maybe the fleet users would use, but for, um, you know, for your, your teenage um, uh, drivers to be able to have the, um, the, the phone mounted safely, be able to use it as a GPS, but also have it function as a, uh, a dash cam with a, just a very simple app. And then the other thing it does is it ties up the phone so it can't be used for anything else. Um, right. It really is um, another way to sort of inexpensively give everyone a dash cam. And again, if you, I know children sometimes don't listen to us, but if you make it um, a requirement for driving the car that you're loaning them, uh, I think it's a it's another way to to create some you know safe driving technology for for uh, for the automobile. Yeah, we talk about organizations not really wanting to. Um you know, toe the line on this when we have the right and we should us as parents too. I would encourage parents out there. I mean, I know this is bold statement, but um, if you're trying to be friends with, with your, your littles, that might not be the best approach, right? We we're we're the example we have to show them. Um, we have such a short time with them before they're out in the world. And yeah. so, you know um, I think we should be focusing less on making sure they're, you know, eternally, um, happy and more about um, teaching them how to be safe and responsible and accountable for their actions. And again, the most dangerous tool we'll ever give a fleet driver or yeah. our, our children is a vehicle. So it's, it's our responsibility as leaders, as organizational leaders, as fleet and safety leaders, as parents to, to do the right thing. So um, to me, again, no brainer. <laughs> yep. And what, uh, what better way to show your friendship and your love than uh, keeping someone alive. So even though it yeah. might seem, uh, might seem a little harsh, it's uh, you're, you're obviously doing it for the, the right reasons. So. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, Steve, it's been such an awesome uh, pleasure talking to you. Um, I'm excited to, to watch and see um, the progress that continues to be made on the legislation front, getting past all the political BS and, and really getting down to, um, keeping people alive and keeping people safe. Um, I appreciate you sharing your story and all your knowledge and insights. Um, and I also just greatly look forward to getting this content out um, to organizations and to fleet and safety leaders out there. We just have um, so much reach and we have so many drivers and vehicles out on those roadways. I mean, tell me a time that you've driven down the street and not seen some sort of logoed vehicle. And that's us, that's fleet. And so um, I'm just hoping that, you know, through sharing this content, we can change hearts and minds and, and um, have organizations really, um, you know, make a decision. It is, it's a choice um, to implement tools, technology, and policy um, that hold every driver that they put on the road accountable for their own in safety and the safety of those around them. So I uh, appreciate your time this morning. It was great talking to you. Um, good luck with all of your upcoming travels, um, safe travels to you. And I hope your family stays safe and enjoys the, the rest of the summer. Thanks so much, Aaron. It's been my pleasure to talk to you and all of your listeners. And um, I really appreciate your passion and your help uh, in spreading this message. So as we always say, uh, just drive. Just drive. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Steve. Thanks, Aaron.